So we um, ended our last discussion with the idea of entertaining questions, and we had a couple of questions that were in the queue there. I think um, it was Subal's question that gave us some pause and um, caused us to think about answering it in the evening. What was it again? About deity worship, about being a meeting place between the temporal and the eternal and saying something about that and how to keep that in mind or something along those lines. Yes, that and um, in relationship to how you started the class with uh, understanding Krishna and Radha and their associates in the uh, their subjective bodies. Mm-hmm. I had it in my mind before, but mm-hmm. you get a really good um, uh-huh. way to understand how their bodies are constituted of pure emotion. <laughs> Well, we talked about, um, maybe this will hopefully get to the heart of your inquiring mind uh, on this topic. We, we talked about the idea of a material body and the idea of a spiritual body, and the material body being kind of a, a crude expression, hmm, if you will, of a spiritual uh, essence. Hmm. Again, we use the example materially. We have an organ called a heart, but it can't really melt and <laughs> and do all the things that we we, we say it does, and 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 uh, and and so forth. Hmm. It's um, it's a physical manifestation of something that transcends the physical um, limitations. So a physical expression. It's just like living in the material world, it may be hard to conceive of spiritual bodies. And living in the spiritual world, it's difficult to conceive of material bodies. Material ideas of a heart, (laughs) and of a a smile, as we said, being just movement of certain facial muscles. What? How could there be something like that? You just try to think of the inhabitants of Vrindavan hearing about material bodies and and thinking, how how is that possible? What kind of limitation is that? Hearts that don't actually melt and and so on. So so our emotional world, subjective world, is our reality. It's where we make all our judgments and find all our meaning and, and so on and so forth. And it is, in a sense, it is, it's metaphysical because it transcends the limits of just physical um, um, movements that simulate them in a very cr- feelings in a very crude way. The smile, for example, simulating happiness or what a smile is, real, is really about. So it's it's uh, so. What you've got there is you know, you, you've got, of course, your material emotions, hmm? but they're quasi-subjective um, hmm? in that they they arise from the subtle matter, the psychic matter, hmm? being being a, a kind of reflector of consciousness proper, hmm? and so it 
it takes on a subjective, quasi-subjective character and becomes a mediator between consciousness itself and, and gross matter. And in that mediating space, qualitative experiences uh, occur and, and so forth and, and so on. The emotive life takes place and, uh, and, um, and we uh, you know, live, live there in, in, the, in the emotive, subjective world. Hmm? But on the spiritual side, the proper course, we're going to consciousness itself rather than the reflection of consciousness, the chitabhas, the abhas of chitta. Hmm? The whole of the mahatattva is manifest in a microcosmic sense in the form of the chitta of each individual. Hmm? Um, the Prabhupada, you think in his Gita commentary, describing the material elements, describes chitta as um, contaminated consciousness or, or something like that. Hmm? So, anyway, um, th- that realm of mental, emotional life, hmm? you know, we, we, we take that a step further to consciousness proper, if consciousness in relation to the to the chitta, subtle matter, causes this whole emotive life, then unto itself, hmm, it the idea is it, it's a world of emotions and really emotions in ecstasy, emotions all expressed in relation to the, the, the personality of the Godhead, the mass of consciousness, rather than in relation to to matter. Hmm? And so, you're going from gross matter to subtle matter to to actual spiritual reality, consciousness proper, and there you've got hmm, the full, real hearts, real smiles, if you will, that are that have shape, have form, hmm? and that from that perspective. Uh, where you're experiencing the full sense of heart, as like we talk about it, you talk, oh my heart! It, it took my, that really changed my heart. That really melted my heart. Hmm. Hearts don't change; they just pump. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't melt, and so forth. But these again are just facsimiles of the, of, a, of a real heart, hmm. and, and 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 so we we explained like that. That's what you're you're talking about. And so then we come to the realm of the of the deity, the archabigraha, and here is a here is a form made of paint, ostensibly or or uh, metal, or wood, or stone, of material ingredients, and I've likened this to kind of a a meeting point between the temporal. Forms made out of stone, paint, wood, and so forth, and and the eternal, hmm? and it's this. And Prabhupada uses the language in his Bhagavatam commentary, the symbolic representation of the world of spiritual emotion proper. So you've got some kind of an in between there. It's not like the in between of the mental emotional world, but it's it's in between. It's it's, it's kind of in between the spiritual world proper 
and the mental and emotional world hmm, of uh, constitutes material existence. Hmm. Um, there are elements from the mental emotional world hmm, and from the other side, from, from the spiritual side. From the spiritual side, the willingness for the Godhead to manifest in that form. Sometimes we speak of the Archer Bigra as the form of the uh, charges uh, heart of the form in which the deity is appearing in the heart and he or she manifests that before the public and builds a temple and so forth. Hmm? Um, so that's a very special realm and it, it's a symbolic realm hmm? um, that uh, in that um, that the there's a, a we can say that the that the material heart, go back to that example, is a symbol of the actual heart hmm, of spiritual emotion. But here we have something that's a, a symbol of the form of the Godhead himself. Hmm? And um, through certain language, a, a protocol, uh, dress, um, and, uh, and so forth, a, a, a veritable realm of ritual hmm, with... Uh, um, mandalas and yantras and, and and so on and so forth. Um, we enter in there in a certain uh, space and we talk to the deity, we feed Krishna, we offer um, various items of worship and so on and so forth. And this is, for example, like you worship Giriraj Govardhan. Giriraj Govardhan Kijai. Yeah. And so you offer different uh, elements to him, hmm. and uh, and uh, and and you know that Giraj Govardhan is Krishna, manifestation of Krishna, and also as another side of Giraj Govardhan that he's the friend of Krishna, hmm. best Haridas Bari, the best friend of Krishna. Hmm. So a phenomenon where he's, he's God and devotee from different angles of vision. Radharani saw him in the Bhagavatam as, as uh, the best devotee of Krishna because Govardhan is all the things that you're offering to Govardhan, he's offering all those things to Krishna. So as you are doing it in, this, in the realm of ritual, offering the various items and so forth in the spiritual world, Govardhan's offering to Krishna. Hmm? Giri is offering to the to the to the Raj, <laughs> if you, if you will, <laughs> uh, to the to the Dhari, the Giri the lifter hmm, of himself. And Jiva Goswami gives a beautiful uh, explanation uh, in Gopal Champu, and I think drawing from Raghunath Das Goswami's description of Giri Raj. <laughs> having all the 64 ingredients hmm, within him. Hmm, he has, there are birds that chirp, that do the, chant the name, holy names, and there are, there are caves for, for that serve as, as bedrooms for, for, for the deity, to, for Krishna to rest and so forth, and fresh waters, and go through all the different 64 items. It's a beautiful description and how Govardhan embodies all these things, and, and he is a veritable uh, offering. Hmm? So in the Leela, the point is, this offering that you're doing, 
or the devotees do when they do the puja, is, is going on in a kind of real, re, real time, and we're kind of imitating that, and in a symbolic way, hmm, uh, doing that. Uh, Krishna is being offered food in the morning, and um, hmm, Mother Yasoda is insisting, come sit, eat, and so forth, and we say, Idam Naivijam Kling Krishnaya Namaha. You know, that sounds a little weird from Mother Yashoda's point of view uh, in relation to Krishna. But this is, uh, again, a realm of ritual. So there are things from both sides there. And um, it's uh, um, an access point where the, where the ingredients look material, but what our experience is, if you approach them, Hmm? The stone deity, the statue, hmm? just a statue. What are you doing all that for? When you do it according to the system hmm, given, which involves some technical rules for the realm of ritual and above and beyond, of course, the give, the fuel of it is the giving of the heart and so forth, one experiences eternality. In the this is the beginning. People want to know what is enlightenment. It's it's not hard to say when you when you start to experience I'm eternal. You know you're getting somewhere. You have experience. Oh, I'm eternal. Hmm? You do this, <laughs> you get the experience. I'm eternal. I, I know that. Hmm? I've had experience. I can't put it in words exactly, but you say it. I can nod my head and go, Yeah, I know this. Uh, I've experienced. I'm eternal. Hmm? And it's happy. It's a relief. <laughs> it's a relief to know. It's comf- comforting. It's comforting. It has a kind of a, 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 a comfort to it and a kind of knowing to it. Hmm? Hmm? A knowing. The comfort is the ananda. Hmm? And the knowing is the knowing that I don't need to know anything else. Knowing this experience, this is, that puts all other experiences to. to to shame, retires them. Hmm? This is the kind of no, not that I know everything. Hmm? What will happen next, and who did what, and where, and <laughs> that kind of knowledge is not very comforting. Hmm? So, a kind of a, of a um, kind of a noetic, maybe that's the right word, noetic bliss. Hmm? This is just the beginning, because in the in the atma, of course, there's a little. Ananda, it kind of has like a, a, a negative ananda. It's knowing it, experience it, is is blissful, and it's it's a, it's again it's a relief from having thought that I might not exist, and I have to struggle to make, make sure that I do, even at the cost perhaps of my neighbor, mm-hmm. to sort of get out of that struggle. Oh, that's blissful in a re- relief kind of. A, Sense, hmm? and again, a kind of a kind of a knowing hmm? um, that that knowing this, nothing further needs to be known. Something a little further to know Krishna, but, but we're doing that. We're realizing the self, experiencing the self in the context of very serious um, sadhana and sangha hmm? um, uh, of of a of a bhakti nature. So. There's some knowing of Krishna also, and then there's some, there's some bliss of bhakti. 
as, as well in the context of the Atmananda. There's, there's the Bhakti Ananda because the Atmananda is coming in the context of the pursuit of Bhakti Ananda. So anyway, it's this, this, this is these is uh, these are. It's very, uh, you know, there are books and magazines. And there's a whole magazine called What Is Enlightenment, and interviewing people and writing articles. And it's just kind of really simple. Hmm? And it's the absence of certain things, too. Freedom from lust and greed and envy and jealousy and these types of feelings in relation to matter, at least. Hmm? So, at any rate, the, just working with the word eternal... In relation to the temporal, it's a meeting point between the two, the temporal and the eternal. And while it looks at a glance as the temporal, hmm, if you approach it on its terms as given in the revelation, you get a different experience. Hmm? Hmm? And um, it's a very, so it's a very, um, it's very powerful. And it's very generous on the part of the Godhead to make such an appearance as the Archer Bigraha, as the Shaligram, as the as the Govardhan Shila, and as may be the case, and so forth. And um, and under the good direction, having received the mantra that corresponds with the deity, then we enter in there, and we and and we are doing everything symbolically, so to speak, and eventually. The deity will start saying to you, you know, hey, look, could you, like you did this, Sanatana, can you add a little salt, bring a little salt with that? Uh, then, then you, you start, you're moving away from the symbolic into the, into that which uh, the deity is uh, symbolically represents. And we find extraordinary devotees worshiping with with bhava and arguing with the deity and and. Uh, you asking this, but you don't give me any money, so I can't do it. <laughs> if you want it, then you supply. Uh, one of my disciples told me that we don't have enough, you know, devotees here to do everything. I think we should stop worshiping the deity. Hmm? Stop doing the puja in the morning, and then he'll send some more people. Hmm? <laughs> I said you can't do that, but I kind of liked it at the same time. <laughs> I kind of liked that thinking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's getting somewhere. So, so, um, so let's see. Yeah, it's it's. Um, Prabhupada used to say, "What do you think that after all these books, we're just worshiping some stone?" Hmm? It's it's not you know. There's there's more to it um, than that. It's a very generous dispensation of the God to make. Prabhupada used to say, "Krishna comes in the arch of vigra in a form that you can handle." You can. Ha- I think of it in two different ways. One way you can handle it, you know, you can pick him up. The other way you can handle it because, as I've said before, he doesn't usually talk that much, and that's you can handle that because if you start talking, then you got, you know, that's it. You're done. Bring this, do that. You you're, you're, you have no time for anything else. But but we have other desires, so he's kind enough not to talk about it, and and the fact that. Oh, back in the closet, I have to go. <laughs> I've got a little room here, and the rest of the house is yours. You know? <laughs> it should be the other way around, but you know, here I am. Okay, I live in the closet. Hmm? I live in the cave here that you've made, and, and gradually, gradually, then the cave becomes the house, and the house becomes the closet, something like that. Hmm? And the inside becomes the outside. And, hmm? 
this is important. A fellow once said to me, here in North Carolina, he said, uh, Swamiji, I uh, was an Indian gentleman, Hindu gentleman, said, do I think that spiritual life should be private? Private. Hmm? Not that you, you know, in public, like for example, chanting, private. And I, and I said, in spiritual life, there should be no difference between the public and the private life. That is spiritual life. Hmm? Where the private life and the public life, there's no difference. Hmm? So, the Edivaric can very much help us in this this regard. So it's very, and it's very important. Even even great devotees who are uh, have transcended the archon, so to speak, hmm, mark or and can and can draw everything, uh, the presence of Krishna from Nam Nam Bhajan. They still go to the, uh, make the effort to establish temples, deity worship for the devotees. And Prabhupada himself came to America with a deity of Radha Radha Krishna. Hmm. Isn't it? Right? And uh, carrying them with him, with him, with him, and so forth. Goswami has established so many temples. So it's an important <coughs> part of, of our practice that Archana, you know, we, we, we emphasize hearing, chanting, and remembering or meditating. Those are three of the main limbs of Ragmarg. But I tend to include the half of Archana. As well, you know, we find some of the great Ragmarg devotees. Prabhupada is an example. Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, they established temples and so forth. Hmm. The point is, of course, that Archon invariably has some degree of reverence to it. Hmm. I was uh, speaking some time back and a fellow in the audience said, you know, I really like the idea of the intimacy with the Godhead as opposed to awe and reverence, but you're always bow- I see you guys always bowing down to the statues and stuff like that. It seems pretty reverential and so on. So I explained to him the idea of the two bodies. In the Sadaka Deya we conduct ourselves one way and that will promote the Siddha Deya in which we can conduct ourselves in another way, in intimacy with Krishna. And the reverence is in relation to the symbolic representation of Krishna, for example, in the form of the deity. Hmm. And this system has been established by the Goswamis and they worship the deities and they're gopis, right? Hmm. Gopis, gopas, and in their, in their sadhaka day they conduct themselves in a, in a way, the idea is that will give rise to a siddhadeha. So I often say, you know, you want, everybody wants a siddhadeha. I said, well, what the, the sadhaka day I gave you is not good enough? You're through with that one? <laughs> you've, you've, you've perfected that one? Hmm? So at initiation we give a sadhaka day. So that if you, if you don't ask for the siddhadeha, you've given perfected, but you've taken advantage of what you've already given, which is to bring your senses, that the body consists of, consists of in a sense, in touch with sense objects, which they do naturally, with you at the helm, that means only for the pleasure of serving the senses of Krishna. Krishna. Rishikena, Rishikesha, Sevanam, Bhagdha, Ruchite. This is Nard's um, definition of Bhakti. Rupa Goswami drew from that verse to define Bhakti as he did, Anyabhilashitasunyam, Gyan, Kamadi, Anabhitam, and so on. So means to, that that with your senses you serve the senses of Krishna. Atmendriya Pritibancha, Tadinam, Kam. 
So, love of Atmendriya, Atmendri Priti, the desire of Ancha to, to, to love the senses and, and bring them in contact with sense objects for their own pleasure, we call that calm. And Krishnendriya Priti, uh, Icha, uh, that's called Prem. Something like that. Hmm. So they, they look similar, but they're different. So, hmm. so the sadaka deha is perfected in this way. Hmm. It's a work in progress when we are in touch with sense objects, and we see them as opportunities to serve Krishna. Just like if you love somebody, and you see something, I'll get that for him. That's for him. That's for her. Hmm. Oh, she would like that. Hmm. And you're in that love space. So everything you see in relation to this is praying when it's all in relation to Krishna. And the deity gives us such a nice opportunity to go through the motions, if you will, of what the whole of the Vrindavan life is, is like. It's a full life. You can shop for him and cook for him. And it's very pra- practical. You know, I was saying that. Uh, about enlightenment, what is enlightenment? It's a big question, and and it's kind of we we really kind of simplify it, and we say here you can experience that you're eternal. It's just it's the beginning, hmm? and this is what it's what it should be like. And we in, we engage you, and you get get consumed by the engagement. Sometimes a wave will come, and you'll know oh, that's true. I feel like that. That's what the book said. I feel like that. I'm experiencing that. And similarly, um, another term, enlightenment is a one term, love of God. We should love God. Hmm? So for the Gaudias, it's very down to earth. It's very, how do you love God? Hmm? How do you love anybody? Hmm? Yeah, you, you, you invite them over for dinner, you cook for them, right? You want to, you, you know, you meet somebody and you say, you, how about dinner? What do you think? You know, <laughs> would, would, you know? Can I take you out to dinner? Something like that, right? Hmm? <laughs> so it's very practical. Uh, you cook for them, you bring them a gift, clothes, jewelry. It's very down to earth. It's it's that's why I say the Gaudi Vaishnava is so like user friendly. What we do as humans is what we do. As devotees, we just change the object of our attention, affection, mm-hmm. hmm, pursuit, and so forth. Uh, there's no artificial imposition. What you, what you are is what you are, hmm? in, in a sense. That's why in Bhagavatam, when Krishna went, was when Nandamarsh was captured by Varuna for apparently not. Uh, the, the, or the attendants of Varuna for not observing the codice properly, apparently. They were wrong, as it turns out, but um, uh, Nanamarsh disappeared and, and went to the bottom of the ocean, and so Krishna and, uh, um, went to save him. And had a conversation with, uh, what's his name, Neptune? Uh, Varuna. Varuna, <laughs> same guy. Anyway, and he had a conversation with him, and then and, and, and Varuna offered his respects and so forth. And 
Nanda Marsh was saved, and so the the Brajabhasis were were like, "Wow, Krishna saved uh, you know Nanda Marsh from from the from Varuna's people and so forth," and and they thought that was special, and so they they thought he has some special powers, Krishna. So they they asked him what everybody wants to know: what will our next life be like? Hmm? What will it be like? Hmm? And what did Krishna show them? They're in the Gokul, he showed them Golok. Hmm? Everything the same. Hmm? It's a little bit different. Hmm? From the Nara Leela to the Deva Leela. And they go, oh, so. so it's, it's, it's saying something to us. And our human life hmm, is, uh, is very, is very, very, what we experience as humans, hmm? Hmm? we're experiencing the fullness of ourself only. In relation to matter, matter is drawing uh, that out, and that we are a doer, a knower, or an apprehender, and, and that we're eternal, and uh, that we can have comprehensive knowing by which we'll be perfectly happy is what we're pursuing. Hmm? We're pursuing that here, there, and everywhere, and of course we're not looking within ourselves. We need a little help from outside, from Shastra, from Guru, and so forth. Hmm? But... Um, Again, it's it's not an artificial imposition. What your what your liberated life, enlightened life, will be is it going to be something entirely weird and different from your present experience. That there will be no self. Okay, <laughs> what will my next life be? There will be no self. Okay, I don't know if I want to go there. Yeah, so your 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 enlightened condition will be no self. You won't be anymore. That's what they call enlightenment. But then I'm not sure if I'm interested in, in going there. Hmm? These kind of ideas. Or you will be a witness. Sit in Yoga Siddhanta. Be a witness forever. Hmm? So there are aspects of the self that Gyan Marg, Yoga Marg don't, don't bring out, that Bhakti Marg brings out that correspond, as I say, with our human experience. So, so anyway, the, so the deity worship is very um, very down-to-earth, hmm, if you will, and uh, very user-friendly. And, and as Prabhupada said, Krishna's coming in a form that just, uh, just, that you can handle, just, just, for you, and now you do it right with, you know, and we, we say that the, giving the heart is the main thing, of course, especially with the, with the Govardhan Shila, which you worship, this is the main thing. There are people that criticized Raghunath Goswami in his time hmm, for worshiping the Govardhan Shila rather than the Shalagram Shila. In the way they criticized, they said, well, he worships the Govardhan Shila. Mahaprabhu gave him that because he's not a Brahmin. Hmm? He was not from a Brahmin family, he's not qualified to worship Shalagram Shila. So he gave him some stone from Govardhan, something like that. And, um, you know, he doesn't do all the ritual and everything and so forth. Mahaprabhu told him to worship with with some Tulsi Manjari and some Ganga Jal, water from the Ganga, and what, Kancha? Some, some sweet. Gunjamala. Mm -hmm. Gunjamala. He gave him the Gunjamala he used to wear around his neck. Mm -hmm. Very, very simple worship because, you know, He's a superman, He doesn't know how to do the sophisticated worship and so forth. But, but uh, this is a misunderstanding. He was, 
the more that you give the heart, the less the ingredients are of, of any consequence. All these getting all these ingredients and consequence are, are related to all the things that you do that you would be doing for yourself. Hmm? That, that that are fueled by your desires, as those desires are emptied out, exhausted, and the heart of love for Krishna is then you just just uh, you know if you're with somebody you love you don't you don't you're not concerned if they brought you anything just that they're there and that's all that matters I just and I just I know that you're there and you're with me that's it I can go on hmm? you don't have to have any you know. We ain't, there's a song, we ain't got very much money, but I still love you, honey, or something like that. <laughs> I've heard it. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's something like that. This is the Govardhan worship, is, is like, that's your theme song there for that one. Mm-hmm. I ain't got much money, but I sure, I, mean, I love you, honey. I've given, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. With you, honey. <laughs> Everything <laughs> be. <laughs> That's right. Mahaprabhu, you know, was singing the cinema songs in the Rathi Yatra. Uh, <laughs> so this is our diction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sure fits our song. Though. We ain't got much money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, this is the you know this the Goswami's worship of the Shalagar is like the, the kind of the culmination of the deity worship is the full face of that. Hmm? It's completely set Ragmarg deity. Shalagram is a Bhaiti Marg deity. There's all kind of rules and regulations for worshiping him. Qualification for Ragmarg is that you is it really you you have you're drawn by taste and uh, so it's a, it's a very high thing. Govardhan worship, but um, Mahaprabhu began it by giving it to the Prayojan Tattvacharya Raghunathaswami in our sampradaya. He instituted that. You know, I have a little, little Govardhan Shila. We worship him. He's at Adarya. Hmm. I got it from one of my godbrothers, and he was, uh, I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again for those who haven't heard, um, that um, he, his name was Yashoda Nandan Maharaj, and he, he met me, this was shortly after I, um, I um, was living independent of, of, of uh, ISKCON, and I met him. And he, 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 in the daytime, he said, I want to come to, at night and I want to bring you something. I have something for you. So I said, okay. So he came at night and he brought me these two, two Govardhan Sheilas. He took them out of the cloth. He opened them showed me. And he said, I got these many years ago hmm, from Govardhan and I showed them to Prabhupada. Hmm? And I told Prabhupada that Prabhupada, in the Brahmanda Purana, it is stated that the stones from Govardhan are worshipable. Hmm? Now the Brahmanda Purana is, the, or is it the Brahmanda? It must, be the, must have been the Brahma Purana. Excuse me, the Brahma Purana. Like, whoever heard of the Brahma Purana? So this guy was like this. He was into all these 
ritual texts and, and, and obscure books and whatnot. At that time, the Chaitanya Charitamrita hadn't been published yet. Hmm? And so somehow he found out from the Brahma Purana <laughs> that the stones of Govardhan were worshipable. There was no Govardhan puja going on in Iskan, and this idea was not something that was... Uh, was uh, had yet been understood or revealed by Prabhupada, and so he said, "I showed Prabhupada the two stones and said they're worth importing the Brahma Purana, they're worshipable." And Prabhupada said, "Well, if it says so in the Brahma Purana, it must be true." Imagine <laughs> 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 what Prabhupada must have been thinking, finding it kind of humorous. And he then and then you saw the Nandamara said, and Prabhupada picked up this one, he looked at it, and then set it down, and the other one he looked at. Like that, he said, "Yes." So you can, you can, then you can worship. He said, "So I'm keeping the one that Prabhupada picked up, and the other one he looked at. I'm giving to you because I know you will take good care of me." Hmm. So then I got that to go to Sheila that day, and two days later I met with some of the followers of Pujapada Marsh, who I was just on my way to join with when I met this fellow. And when I got there, they were having a conversation about. Govardhan Shila and Pujapatrita Marsha said, Oh, the, they were sannyasis. That said, Best deity for the sannyasis is the Govardhan, Govardhan Shila. And so I said, Hey, I got one of those. <laughs> As a matter of fact, right here. And they said, Oh, but you don't have the Gunjamala, hmm? which Mahaprabhu used to wear around his neck. Hmm? There's some, bit, they're like berries that grow, and then they get, they get. You can dry them and drill them and make a necklace out of them, red and white and black. So Mahaprabhu would put that necklace on when he worshipped the Govardhan, and he would bathe the Govardhan every day with his tears. Hmm? This is how he. This was his his worship, hmm? Hmm? and he'd hold it next to his heart like this. And he gave this to. Goswami. That's that Sheila's there in the Radha Radha Gopinath Radha Gokulananda Temple hmm? of Lokanath Goswami, Narutam Paribar, Lokanath Paribar. You can go there and see it's it's got a like an indentation, indentation of a thumb in it. And they said the Mahaprabhu would hold in stone and it would melt, it melted. The impression of his his thumb came there. And he gave this to Raghunathas to worship. This came to us in this way. So, so anyway, he gave the stone and then he gave the Gunjamala. And Raghunathas thought, oh, he, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given me a place at Govardhan in the service of, of Radha, the Gunjamala representing Radha. So when I, anyway, when I met the Sannyas, he said, oh, but you can have the Gunjamala. And then they gave me the Gunjamala. So, so I got the opportunity to worship the, uh, the Govardhan Shila. I feel it had the, the combined blessing of Prabhupada and Pujapad Sridhar Marsh. Mm. And when I met, uh, then when I went to see Sridhar Marsh, and, I, I, and someone had given me a little, little shalagram and a little Dwarka Sheila. And it's really hard, like people give you these things, you go, okay, uh, what am I supposed to do now? You know, I, I, I'm worshiping the Giraj, but I, I didn't. But, you know, so, it's kind of a kind of a spiritual intimi- intimidation. So I took the two of them, and when I saw Pujapatrita Marsh, I said that uh, that I had been given the Govardhan Sheila, and I explained how. I said, and someone gave me the Shaligram and the Dwarka Sheila. He said, you should only worship Govardhan. So then I had, I could say, okay, you got to take those back. <laughs> <laughs> Felt uh, 
justified and see, it's coming from you know from above. I can't take can't take them. Hmm. So, so and it's another point, of course, the opportunity to worship the, the deity comes from the, the blessing of our Gurudev. The Gurudev gives the mantra that corresponds with the deity, and we have the. Um, uh, in that sense, we have the facility, and with his further blessing, I have little Gornatai deities also. I, I, I asked Prabhupada for deities because I used to go from temple to temple and preach, and then I couldn't get fit into the deity schedule to do deity worship because they had their own pujaris at every temple. So he said, "Well, then you get a deity of Gornatai, and you take them with you and keep them in a chest and worship them in the morning, and then close. Then you go out and preach and come back at." And the next morning, wake them up and do the puja. So the, those deities are there also at Adarya. So it's a great opportunity hmm, to to have um, be invited into that realm of, of ritual. And nowadays, it's a little different. Um, in those days, we only had deities in temples. Hmm, and people, not everybody had deities. You wouldn't go to the shop and just buy them. Now I get this persons who want to be initiated, and they say, what should I do with my deities? <laughs> okay, <laughs> got that a little backwards there. <laughs> uh, you got the cart, be, horse before, cart before the horse, something. So um, so I've, I've developed a, an answer to that, and uh, so that they won't be discouraged. And they can keep the form in their home and worship in some, in some way. But the actual deity worship, Archon Marg, is there's a lot, a lot to it. Hmm. But you can do it in a very condensed way with the Govardhan Shila, which is which is nice. So it's, it is a very, um, very, very user friendly, we should say. Hmm. And um, and you're, you're one of my students. There's a couple others, Malangopal, um, Karnamrita, Krishnanam. Every day they're doing so. Amongst them, we set a very good example. So some of you want to worship. There were Mayapurchandra in Poland also. Hmm? So then you you can get advice for them how to do. And then you could do it right, a full archon. And it's a simple way for Govardhan. It's easy to, to take care of because you can make it as elaborate as you like as well. But um, and the, there are the point being that there are some rules there. There are some. Some guidelines and 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 uh, and uh, so there's some element of of reverence. So uh, the three angas, shravanam, kirtan, smarnam, and half an anga of of archan, something like that. Uh, hmm. Yes. Um, I was just reading a purport in the fourth canto, Srimad Bhagavatam, and Prabhupada was emphasizing how important it is in um, worship of Radha Krishna deities to worship them as Lakshmi Narayan and that we don't, should not think of them as Radha and Krishna until one is very advanced. And so maybe if you could speak about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, what... Um, what Prabhupada was trying to do there is to um, emphasize the point in one sense that I'm making that Archon Marg has some measure of of, of reverence mm-hmm. um, inevitably built 
built into it. And um, so one should uh, um, be uh, aware of that and approach the deity uh, accordingly. Mm-hmm. And um, by doing so, one can cross over, if you will, the uh, uh, from the reverential side to the to the side of intimacy as the inner life and form as your love starts to take a shape within. Hmm. So it's it's a way I think in which Prabhupada was talking about that. The, the way in which he talked about it it can be can be perhaps a little um, confusing. Um, he was saying it can become sahajiya. See that's what he what he's what he's talking. So he want he wants to emphasize that the, that just like a fellow said to me, as I said he asked the question, you know, I like that you talk about worship and intimacy, but why are you always bowing down to the deity and why don't we just, you know, treat him intimately? Hmm? And so if you just go and start treating the deity like Krishna and um Taking them to bed with you, you know, or something like that, whatever. Time to take a shower. Let's go, you know. To go in and hold them while you take a shower. I mean, this is not the protocol for, <laughs> for worshiping the deity, but you could, you know, you could do that with Krishna and Vrindavan. Let's let's hit the Jamuna, you know. It's hot. Let's go. Um, so you don't. Do that with the deity, and unless you are doing bhava seva, and that's a whole other thing, then you're a siddha, and then you, you're relating with the, the deities talking to you and saying, "Can we go for a swim now?" You know, or something like that. Uh, and there, and you find these kind of crazy devotees with deities hanging around their necks and you know, jumping in the jamuna, and uh, these there's some some extraordinary uh, examples like this. So, but. But to um, imitate that and worship the deity um, in, 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 in intimacy in terms of actual protocol, behavior, conduct, uh, in the way you interact, and so on and so forth, would would be um, in, in, in inappropriate and cheapen the whole thing, kind of. Instead of going up to where Krishna is, you're taking Krishna down to where you are in the name of intimacy, and it's, it's actually a little, um, a bit un- un- uncomfortable for him in that situation. So you have to become Krishna-like, not like in the name of intimacy, not that Krishna becomes like you <laughs> in the name of intimacy. So yeah, why don't you just come down and be like us? And Well, you know, he has, in a sense, he's human-like, but, you know, like is a big part of the, you know, <laughs> the, the description, human like. Hmm? And unlike human is what the like means as, as, as well. Hmm? And so the intimacy comes from going to him, to his plane, not making him like you. Of course, the, in the experience of intimacy and in, in divine love and Vrindavan, we'll think he's one of us, but then you'll be a bridge bossy and, hmm? and a worshipable worshipable being, worshipable being even, you know, by those in, in Vaikuntha. So I think that really what um, 
Prabhupada wants to say, that I'm quite sure, is, is that, and he was very concerned about this. If you ever hear his lecture when he installed the deities in, in Los Angeles, he's like, like nervous that these people are he's going to leave now and they're going to take care of the deities. And, hmm. and what did he just do? You know, he just like asked Krishna to appear and put him in the hands of these people who are, you know, just not, not long ago, well, conducting themselves in, in ways that aren't even thought to be materially pious, so to speak of being spiritual. And he gave them Radha and Krishna. So, so he was had a kind of a trepidation like that. Well, we'll have given them the deity, what will they do? And they make some offense, and then Krishna will be ple- not be pleased with me. And So sometimes he would emphasize like that. So he's a way of saying it. Think of them as Lakshmi Narayan. It's a worship around the Krishna with reverence. But you really you really can't worship the deity properly. I mean it's all these language and so forth, it's all it's all reverential. It's 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 not intimate. Hmm? Uh, it's 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 uh, and uh, you know, you got the little silver plate and whatnot and yeah, everything's done very very carefully, and hmm? the deity worship is is was actually the the dharma, the yuga dharma for the previous yuga. It's thought so. Um, the previous yuga was uh, was like the the reign of the, the the monarchical you know world. So Krishna is worshipped like a king, hmm? in deity worship. Hmm? So it it has reverential element to it. The the, the archon marg. And Prabhupada wanted to see that that was in place. He did a good job. I mean, his, his, all his temples today. It's one of the things that he really can't uh, criticize uh, Iskon for. They, they, you know, Radhakalachandji, they're beautiful. He's nicely taken care of. They're always shining and clean and nice offerings. And hmm, or Radha Golokananda. Is it Golokananda? Gokula, Golokananda, and so forth. And Prabhupada's idea was these American people, Western people, but he was in America at the time, got all this money, they should be just throwing it at the deity. That's what they <laughs> should do with their money, is throw it all at the deity. And there were times in, 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 in Prabhupada's mission in Iskon when he was here where temple presidents from all over the world would come to the festival in Mayapur and Vrindavan, and in Mayapur and Vrindavan they'd be in the, the Loya Bazaar, and they would have each one saved up money through the whole year. To, then the temple president was there with his wife, and they were ready to spend on their deity. And 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 this guy and his wife spent this much on Kishore Kishori, and this one Rukmini and Dwarkadesh, and it was like a little competition. In the Madva. Sampradaya, they have in Udupi. They have, I think it's eight, eight, eight temples, and eight eight acharyas, hmm? and every eight years, one of the acharyas gets to worship the original Udupi Krishna deity, that was Rukmini's deity in Dwarka, hmm? mm. and and the rest of the eight years they worship in their particular moth. And and basically, what they do is they they do some canvassing and they and they raise money, 
and they raise money for eight years. And then the eighth year they get to worship with U.P. Krishna and then they spend the treasury on uh, collections on on him. Worshipped in the morning from four in the you know, morning till noon, then the puja's finished. Hmm? <laughs> so it's heavy emphasis on Arch and Marg there. Hmm? As I say, we have like and a half of a limb of Archon. Hmm? Um, and our deity worship is is also, um, especially we, we worship in the Vorotai with Kirtan. Hmm? Yeah. And we installed Krishna and Balaram in Vrindavan. There was a huge hoopla to do that. And Brahmins from, from all over Vrindavan, uh, ritual for three days. For three days the ritual went. And every now and then they would call Prabhupada Acharya had some duty to perform in the context of the ritual for the installation. He boop, put a Tulsi leaf and go back to his room and so forth. And then when it was all over, we did Harikirtan and put them on the altar. And then Prabhupada said to us in private, he said, he said, just by the Kirtan, everything was complete. But I had to invite all these people because they think, you know, if all these things don't go on, then it won't be, it won't be complete. So... That's Gaudiya <laughs> perspective, <laughs> and uh, uh, from the Siddha, uh, with such uh, faith in Nam and the Yuga Dharmas and Kirtan, so forth. Hmm. So anyway, this is something about about the deity worship. Hmm. What should Hari had a question too? Different question. Take us in a different direction. Yeah, a different direction, a bit more esoteric. Yes. Um, Another Parivaras, so we're still in Gaudiya Sampradaya, but other Parivaras say, like, reading a bit about the Gaudiya Parivara, and they do not believe in eternality of Borolila in the sense that we believe in it. Like, they believe it's eternal in the sense that the world's eternal, and it's always manifest in the world, but they don't believe that there's a, a Siddhadeya that one can achieve and have to. They believe that the Brahman Kishore Bhai dissolves in Asakti and stuff like that. So I was thinking, well, so then. They follow Rupa Goswami and they pull all the same books. And so, so what is their attainment going to be? Is it, is it, in other words, is their attainment according to their faith, or is there actually an ontological problem with that idea? Well, Bhaktivedanta Thakur explains that some devotees they are more attracted to Gaurila, some are more attracted to Krishna Lila, and some attracted to both. And so there's the prospect of the of attaining both Lila's. Hmm? Or, or one to the exclusion of the other. Um, now, this is not an idea that's coming from Bhakti Vinoba. I mean, he does write about that, but it's all the way across the board, and practically all all the families, communities, Buddhas, all the party bars of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we find um, this idea of the eternal. Manifestation in the unmani- of the of, un- of the unmanifest aprakrta lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Nadia. Hmm? Only that one. I, I don't even know if the whole paribar, but wait, but there's one um, at least uh, represent- representative of that in our time that makes that point. And the point is basically that um, that it's not. Stated anywhere or something like that in the orig- original original texts, but I don't think that's entirely accurate. And I think that 
I think that there is something from Prabodhananda Saraswati uh, about that. He wrote a Nabadweep, mm, oh, something, Satakam or something. I, I, and um, I, I did looked into this once, and I, I found, um, I'm forgiving now, I can't remember them, but also I think in, in, in Vrindavan Das's Chaitanya Bhagwat, some references that could be construed as be speaking about such an aprakrita, unmanifest um, leela of um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Um, but that said, um, pretty much across the board, and it, it's accepted and pursued, and and there are in those sects that do a kind of a systematic meditation, uh, visualization, and so forth, where, that, where that's prominent. There's there's all types of um, literature that's been compiled for meditations on the Aprakata Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. And so the thing about the Goswamis, of course, who are the founder acharyas of the Gaudiya Sampradaya and Shastra Gurus, you have to understand is that they established the Chaitanya Sampradaya, but this is a new Sampradaya. And so sometimes, you know, you have to go, use Prabhupada's language, in like a needle, out like a plow. So if you <coughs> stick a needle and it makes a very small penetration, but if you had to pull it out like a plow, it makes a big explosion. So, uh, eruption, a big hole. So, um, knowing the time and circumstance, what you can do and what you can't do in terms of gaining acceptance and, and, and establishing a foothold, and so forth. So they were establishing a whole sampradaya under the um, empowerment of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And we don't find that the Goswamis wrote very much about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There's a obeisances to Bhagavan Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then the book starts, you know. And there's a couple of ostacums of Rupa Goswami uh, uh, glorifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And obviously they acknowledge him as Bhagwan and refer to him as such, but it's not extensive hmm, by any means. What they what they wrote extensively about was Radha Krishna Lila. But they wrote about Radha Krishna Lila in such a way, hmm, with such penetration and insight into it, that if you follow that, you have to come to this logical conclusion. There must be a Chaitanya. Hmm? They've, they've plumbed the depths of the psychology of Krishna in 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 the zenith, the, the apex of the Srimad Bhagavatam, where it's reaching its climax hmm, in the Rasalila, and the, and Krishna says, "I cannot, you know, what you your what you have is more hmm, in the in the form of your service than I have." Within me to reciprocate, so your your, your service itself is worshipable by me, hmm? and as such, if I worship something, I want to experience it. I want to experience the love that you have for me. Hmm? It exceeds anything within my experience, and go on. And here we go, and then, you know we're starting to enter into Gore Lila. So nobody writes about. Chaitanya Radha and Krishna Leela in that way. Hmm? 
the Goswamis did. And if you understand it properly, you realize, oh, there has to be another Leela. There's a, there's a problem with the Krishna Leela. Hmm? Hmm? Krishna wasn't fully able to taste rasa. There were some impediments because he saw himself as, this, as the object of love and he saw that the vessel of love hmm, had a more full experience and so on and so forth. So these are all completely Gaudi ideas that, 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 it, that far exceed in power hmm? um, any citation from any book that Krechetan is God. You know, it says this in the in the in the um, <coughs> Kurma, Kurma Purana or something, some verse, another verse, and then it's not in this edition. You know, it's a, you know or whatever. This verse is about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Really? Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, the strongest verses they cited was the verse from the Bhagavatam, Krishna Varnam Tisakrishtam Sangopangastraparashnam Yagnaisam Kirtana Prayajantiyustam So they made a good case there for scriptural reference for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But no one ever, before uh, uh, Jiva Goswami, ever saw that verse in that way, commented on it in that way. Hmm. Um, and so one can, and one can argue against that kind of commentary. So it's more or less academic that they went and found scriptural references and say, see here, and this is a reference to Shaitan, this is a reference to Shaitan. The more powerful thing that they did was they plumbed the depths of the of the psychology of Krishna in the in the climax of the book, Srimad Bhagavatam. And if you understand it properly you realize oh there has to be a Chaitanya. <laughs> it's very, very powerful. Hmm? Krishna has to have another Leela. Krishna's Krishna's desiring to take the position of the of the ashray, rather than to be in a position of the, the vishay, rather than be in a position of the object of love, he wants to experience the position of of the of the lover hmm? Hmm. who possesses the love, who embodies the love, and so they they really did emphasize Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in an indirect way, and everybody accepts Krishna, and then they want to bring in the position of Radha. Hmm? Took a little engineering, but you know they, they they made the case for Radha, as we've been making a little bit here in our discussions, and, and then and that's the whole thing. I mean, that's it. If you look at Krishna, you can keep looking, keep looking. You know what do you see? What do you see? Keep looking. I see Krishna. He's got a flute. You know, mm-hmm. keep looking. Keep, and then you just keep looking. What do you? Oh, there's somebody else there. Oh, yeah, I see. It's like a hologram or something. You, you know, a hologram? What are those, those things that you... Mm-hmm. They move and... Oh, oh, there's somebody else there. Hmm. There's another figure. Hmm. It's him in another form. Hmm. One soul and two bodies. And uh, in, in, in Brahman is rasa. Oh, it makes sense. There has to be two for rasa. Now, keep looking. What do you see now? Keep looking. And then, oh, it's Ramananda saw. The two become one. It's Chaitanya. Hmm. I mean, this is this is in the heart of the Bhagavatam, and they're penetrating insight into what's going on there in the Rasa Leela and the conversation between Krishna and and, and Gopis is very, very compelling. Hmm? And again, they've understood the psychology of Bhagavan Krishna in a way that nobody in other sampradayas has that kind of penetration into his thinking and feeling. Hmm? And after all, who are they? These are the handmaidens of Radha. They know. Hmm? 
Vyasu Veti Naveti Va. Vyas may know, he may not know what he wrote down there, but we know what he wrote down there. Rupa Goswami knows what he wrote down there. And so there are commentaries on the Bhagavatam. They're more important than the Bhagavatam. Like Prabhupada said, anyway, it's not Krishna's words aren't important, it's the devotees' words about Krishna's words that are most important. So if you, I'm saying they, they, they were very artful in establishing a sampradaya and going in like a needle. They're not talking about Krishna. Keep talking about Krishna, keep talking about him. In, in such flattering terms, in such, uh, such, in, in such a compelling way, hmm? the more you talk about him, the more you, you, you realize that, that Krishna is, as it's probably used to say, is not alone. Krishna's not alone. Hmm? Krishna's got his friends. Krishna's got his parents. Krishna's got his gopis. He's got Govardhan, Jamuna, all these things. There's, this is the composite of what is, what is Krishna. Hmm? Because hmm? you have, you know, Mirabai singing songs about Krishna, me and Krishna, you know. What happened to Radha? What about Nanda, Yasoda? And yeah, the Gaudiya songs, all these other, these extensions of Krishna, Srupa Shakti, the full Krishna is not there without them. He doesn't, they're all sung about and so forth. And, uh, and, and so this is, this, is, this is the real experience of the Braj. Hmm? Hmm. It, well, the, it consists of, of, of the Bhavas. The Bhavas uh, uh-huh. is more important than Krishna, so to speak. I mean, you can't have one without the other, but they're complementary. Hmm? So, if you study their work like this, then you, you, you see a very compelling argument for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but it's not overt on its face. So you have to understand that's the way so, so they didn't maybe underscore certain things a certain way, but then the tradition, hmm, who's entering into what they said, then they're going to come out with certain ideas and concepts that correspond with what they're what they're talking about. Hmm? And you know, so they didn't literally say, you know, and there's an you know, unmanifestly loved Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and you can go. Well, they didn't say a lot of things, you know, that developed in the tradition. Hmm? Um, a number of things and that's there for others to you know unfold as time goes on and so forth it was pretty widely uh, accepted that the, um, um, the, the the idea of the Nityalila for, for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu now you know they don't uh, I don't know everything about that because I've mean, heard that argument before and uh, it's kind of a quiet one on the side that nobody really much entertains uh, except that particular group and and fine, you know, if you don't want to enter into Gorlila, then this, you know, you don't have to. <laughs> but uh, the distinct possibility is there if one so, so desires. Hmm. Um, and Prabhupada obviously accepted when he drew this picture of the spiritual world. It's, I don't know if it's represented there, but... Yeah, the is there. He's there, right? Yeah. Inside the lotus of the lotus, there's Radha and Krishna. And that's the point. That the more you look at Radha and Krishna, the more you see, you see. You look at Krishna, you see Radha and Krishna. You look at Radha and Krishna, you see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Look again, and it's just you know, it goes back and forth like that. So, um, yeah, it's not a, it's not an argument that they're ready to take on, you know, and and. and, uh, and 
to the whole sampradaya or that anybody will join in with. So it's a quiet little voice over there. That, um, I um, uh, mean, I don't find it very appealing. <laughs> Let's put it like like that. Uh, um, to call the you know to consider the whole of Chaitanya Lila to be an occasional Lila that has no representation in in the Paravyam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't seem very Chaitanyaite, if you will. Chaitanya Vaishnava. So. But, you know, I, I didn't really listen to their argument. I mean, it could be an argument that's not offensive. They say, we, we they don't write about it, so we don't think about it, we don't meditate on it, we look at it like this. And, and those that do, that's fine, whatever, you know. So, that, I mean, they may take a position like that and not necessarily be um, offensive, but. But I, I'm sorry, forgive me, I can't, you know, it was a while ago, years ago, I looked into that and, and I found some references that I thought these could be cited to establish the point of an, of an unmanifest. And the word unmanifest means after the Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in this world, it's manifest, closes down, or corresponding with it always is, a, is an unmanifest Lila, where it's always in Navadweep and... Vishnu Priya is there, Lakshmi Priya is there, Jagannath Mishra is there, he doesn't pass away like you asked about, neither does Lakshmi Priya, everyone's there, and and so on. And Rupa Goswami is there. This kind of idea. What else? Um, where the gopis are kind of, they represent aspects of Radha, do the how her boys represent anything? Some of them do, yeah. It's said that uh, Sridham, Sudam, Vasudam, and Kinkini, these are four friends of Krishna, that they are the personification of his Antakaran, which constitutes a Chitta, Manas, Bodhi and hunkar. Krishna has a hunkar. <laughs> he thinks he's that body. <laughs> he thinks he's a hunkar. It's I'm a cowherd boy. Hmm? So the thinking that I am a cowherd boy, hmm, this is personified. Hmm? So these four are the manifestation externally. Hmm? Of his fourfold, the fourfold components of his antakarna, they're cowherd boys. So, so Krishna is this is this is this is kind of in a sense this is his primary identity. I am a cowherd boy. He has three identities. I am the son of Yashoda and Nanda. I am a cowherd boy, and I am the lover of Radha. We can say that I am the the, the lover of Radha. The object of Radha's love is prominent, but. But it, we, we say it, he's a coward boy, is more prominent because that's a secret. Hmm? That's undercover. Hmm? It's undercover. And while it's, it's, it's in the forefront that he's, he's, a, he's the son of Yashoda Ananda and he's a coward boy, everybody knows that when you grow up, then your friends and that life starts to take precedence over your family life. Hmm? Right? And then you go, you know, you're not entirely yourself in some ways around your parents as you are with your, your friends. Hmm? 
here a little a little, a little different with them. <laughs> so, so the, 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 these are the three identities of Krishna. Hmm? And these are the three sections of the Bhagavatam, the, the 10th canto that deal with the three centers. There's the Vatsalya Rasa center. This is the Damodar Leela. It covers several chapters. Hmm? There's the Sakya Rasa center. It's the Brahmavi Mohan Leela and the Denakasura Leela. Chapters 12, 13, 14, and 15. Hmm? And then there's the ra- five le- chapters of the Rasa Leela. These are the five chapters of the, the Madhurya Rasa center. This is what the Bhagavatam is about. Hmm? These feelings. And they're so, you see, they're showcased there in such a way that they're very compelling and you can, you can become attracted to, the, to those feelings there and hearing about Krishna. And this is the ex, ex, excellence of the Bhagavatam. These, these bhavas can, can leap out and you can and they be contagious. And so anyway, yeah. So um, that's one example of how they're... There are some aspects of Krishna's personality are are manifest as persons, hmm? but um, that said, it's a little different because, as I've said, there's really one Krishna and many Radhas. So Krishna is the perfect hero, and Radha is the perfect heroine in a drama. You have a hero and a heroine. And I think there are, what, 90, 93, or is it 94, different types of heroes in the aesthetic language of, of, uh, of, of, of Indian, um, the arts, drama, and so forth. So, you know, for example, there's, there's two types. There's the married type and the unmarried type, the, the parakya and the swakya. Hmm. And, then, and then there's the... Hmm, and there's the there's the Dirodata, Dirodita, Dirapashanta, and there yeah, there's, there's four there, four times two is eight, and it multiplies like this, and it's all in Ujmal Nilmani in the beginning, the first chapter. So the ninety some different heroes that you will find in drama, for example, of the Indian uh, poets and dramatists and so forth. Hmm? One drama will showcase this kind of hero, or another kind of hero will be in there, and so forth. So Krishna, the book shows, is the composite of all of them. Hmm? And then there are three hundred, I think it was three hundred and sixty types of heroines, and Radha is the composite of all of them. Hmm? Um, but there's one Krishna and many Radhas in the sense that I'm speaking about, it because it's not like there's some coward boy that that can represent Krishna and the gopis are going to have a relationship with, with him in that way. Hmm. That Krishna can have a relationship with another gopi and be having a relationship with what is the personification of an aspect of Radha. Hmm. So in that sense, there's one Krishna and many Radhas. Hmm. And so one center, hmm, object of love, and then many nuances of love being offered, something like that. Hmm. So it doesn't entirely play out in the way that you, you were questioning, but I did give an example of how some of the cowards are, are manifestations of some aspect of, of Krishna. Hmm. Yes? He was asking, does the Lord Chaitanya's spiritual master really tell him that he was a fool? Did Lord Chaitanya's spiritual master tell him that he was a fool? Yes, he, he certainly did. 
murka, a fool, and, and why? Because he told him, this, this is, uh, comes in the seventh chapter of the Adi Lila, which is a curious chapter because in the chapter there's a beginning description of, of the, of this is the end of the Mongol Charn of, of the book. It ends with Panchatatvatmakam Krishnam Bhaktarupa Sarupakam Bhaktavataram Bhaktakyam Namami Bhakta Shakti Kam. And, and at last, the seventh chapter is kind of picking up Shakti on the Shakti Tattva hmm? that Gadadhar personifies. When it's talking about Shakti, shakti Tattva, it means the Sarup Shakti. Obviously, the Bhaktas are also Tatasta Shakti. But uh, they're considered bhakta tattva, and they have this, you know, their purusha and their prakriti at the same time. So, as we were discussing the other day. But anyway, the seventh chapter starts like this, and then it glorifies the sankirtan, hmm? and then it segues into the whole philosophical section of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, enlightening and converting the sannyasis of Banares, headed by Prakashananda Saraswati. So while the first six chapters of Chaitanya Charitamrita are richly rich with philosophy and theology, explaining the different tattvas of Bhagavan himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Prakash, his manifestations in the Paravyom, in the spiritual world, headed by Balaram, which means different faces of himself in the, in the spiritual world, different, different emotional embodiments of different aspects of his emotional self. So Balaram is like that. Hmm? He's like Krishna, but he's the side of Krishna, not the whole of Krishna. And then and goes to Baikuntha and, 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 and so on and so forth. So the, these are the Prakash. And then there's the Avatar. Avatar means comes down from there, manifests in this world hmm? for deliverance. And then there's somebody to be delivered. Hmm? That's us, Divatattva, at the prospect. Hmm? And, and then there's the means of deliverance. What is the means of deliverance that the avatar makes available? That is bhakti. So this is the panchatattva. So in order to have the kind of love of God that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was talking about, you have to have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you have to have the prakash, you have to have the avatar, who brings the way, and you have to have the person that's going to be liberated. So they're all it's a composite. Hmm? It's not a trinity, but it's whatever you would call that in five. <laughs> a pancha idity or something. <laughs> pancha idity, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> five five truths. Anyway, so in the, in the, I'm kind of going on a, a tangent about it, but this is the, what the chapter's about, uh, these chapters are about, and so much philosophy and theology there explaining these things, hmm? that what the Chaitanya dispensation is about. Hmm? And then what's not dealt with is a significant philosophical subject as well that in Gaudiya um, text, and that is that what we're talking about is not what Shankar is talking about. This is a significant aspect of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, because in the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this monism of Shankar was very prominent. It was the it was the religion of the you know the dominant 
thinking, although Ramanuja had come, Madhubhata come, still, Advaita Vedanta was very powerful, and you had the Brahman religious representation of that in the form of the, the um, what are they called, the Smartas, and so forth. I mean, they were the, they're the Pujaris at the, you know, the Jagannath Temple, even so. So at any rate, um, suddenly, in this, the seventh chapter, Krishnadas segues into this narrative of the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu going to Banares and passing through and coming back and converting Prakashananda Saraswati. And there's a whole dissertation there, philosophical presentation of what's wrong with Mayavad. Hmm? This is what the chapter's about. So kind of like he wants to make this point too, as, oh yeah, I should, I should say that too. I've given all this theology and philosophy, what is Chaitanya Vaishnavism? Let's say what it's not in terms of a pro- pro- other popular representation of spirituality. And so that's dealt with before then why he wrote the book and who the principal players in the book are going to be, the different branches of the Chaitanya tree, Nityananda branch, Gadadha branch, the way to branch are all introduced. And then in chapter 13, the narrative begins and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's birth is there and so on. And it, 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 it goes in a kind of a chronological way. Hmm? Um, uh, so the other thing that happens then in that chapter, that seventh chapter, it has a threefold purpose. One, to briefly introduce the, the concept of the Shakti Tattva. Hmm? Then to dismantle Advaita Vedanta, uh, expose its shortcomings. And the third thing is to advocate the way of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very prominently, Namsan Kirtan. So this is ad- strongly advocated there. And, and and this is an example of how strongly it's advocated because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, my guru called me a murka, a fool, hmm? by which he meant that I don't, I, that, that the Maya bodies, the Advaitins, think themselves very smart. They call themselves jnanis, and all they do is study the Vedanta, hmm? day and night. And when they saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu not studying the Vedanta and singing and chanting, they thought, he's a babuka. They were right. Hmm? It means he's an emotional guy. But they didn't know. He was had spiritual emotions and, and bhava and what that was about and so forth. So they accurately described him even with the spirit of of criticizing and vilifying him or just saying he's not conducting himself like a sannyasi. He should sit and study the Vedanta and, and just meditate on Tatvamasi, Neti Neti, Ambramasmi, what are the implications of this and and so on. Very dry kind of life. Mm-hmm. And so when he was talking to the the sannyasis, he said, he was addressing, they said, well, why don't you, you know, why are you, by this point he, he had created a teachable moment because he came to see them. It's a beautiful story. I'll be lecturing on that on Monday or so. Uh, that's where we are in Chaitanya Charitamrita, actually, in uh, our evening discussion. So, um, he, he 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 does anyway go to see the the, the the sannyasis and he sits where they're where they wash their feet and they say why are you sitting there, um, uh, sir? And we see he, he showed his effulgence. He showed he showed what they were trying to enter into. Brahman was his halo. They were they were so he showed some aishvarya, and he created a teachable moment. Hmm? 
and they and, and they say, well, you know, why are you doing like? Why are you dance like this? Why and and, and, and chant in public and with other emotional people, and you're from the Bharati Sampradaya, hmm? And Mahaprabhu said, well, I'm from very low Sampradaya. Bharati Sampradaya was considered the lowest Sampradaya of the of the ten um, sannyas names and ashrams. The Bharati was the lowest one, and Shankar had said something about the Bharati would become corrupted or something like that. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was initiated in the Bharati Sampradaya. That's why Sarbhum Bhattacharya wanted, wanted to adjust his sannyas. Oh, you're such an elevated person, but you're in the Bharati Sampradaya. I should make an adjustment on that, and uh, I can reinitiate you hmm? into like the Saraswata or the Tirtha Ashram. Hmm? Um, the Bharati Mar- Sampradaya was, uh, it may be the one that, 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 it, that is, I'm not sure about this, but I'm just making a conjecture. The sum of the four moths of Shankar, in, in one of them, maybe it's influenced by the Bharatis, they, they have more, they, they do bhakti. Of course, they do it with, you know, with a certain idea what bhakti is, but bhakti was thought to be the more, for the, for the less less intelligent you know, sector who are more emotional and so forth. Hmm? And so Mahaprabhu says, I'm from the, you know, from the Bharati Sampradaya. I don't know. No, it's a good Sampradaya. Prakrishna says, you're one of us. You know, but why are you acting like that? And, and, we, and, and my good sir, you're very extraordinary. We, we can see that we can feel that. Says, oh, I, well, I don't study Vedanta because my guru told me that I was a fool. Hmm? He's basically saying, "You are all fools." Hmm? That's what he said. You think that you can study Vedanta in Kali Yuga, hmm? and then of course he comes out with it: Harinam, 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 Ebakebalam, Kaloa, Nasteva, Nasteva, Nasteva. He starts speaking about the path for Kali Yuga, this advocacy of Namsan Kirtan, which is the method to his his madness and so forth, and. Um, and how he chanted the, the Krishna Nam and Krishna Mantra, and what happened to him, he explains it, cites a verse from Bhagavatam, how he went mad and rolled on the ground, and, and he asked his guru, what kind of mantra have you given me? And his guru said, oh, very nice, you're getting the results. That's right, it's working. Hmm? Don't worry, it's working. Hmm? This way he converted them, hmm? um, and more or less said, you're all fools to think that you can study the Vedanta, number one, in Kali Yuga, and number two, that simply by studying the Vedanta and, and meditating on its aphorisms that you can get what you can get by Hari Kirtan. Hmm? Bhagavan Chaitanya Jiva Swami says in Bhakti Sandarbha said this, Shrotam Apyupanashadam Dure Harikatamrita Kampashu Pulakariya so on, so on. That by the sounds of the Upanishads, which are spiritual, hmm? you will you will attain something that's very far, dure harikatamrita, from where you can arrive at by harikata. Hmm? And then he cites the satpika, astasatpika bikar, eightfold transformations of ecstasy, of, hmm, and so forth. That which, which where you which are usually if you look at all the examples of Rupa Goswami explaining um, the Sattvika Babas, the hair is standing on end on your head and on all of the hairs on your body and, and how that all works, how the Baba enters the heart and through the prawn rides 
uh, and then then connects with with the with the fire element, with the earth element, with the ether element, with the um, water element, and their corresponding ecstasies that are they see they very much correspond with our human experience. Hmm? When we in fear, the hairs stand on end. So there are certain emotions that will give rise to these sattvikabhavs also, not just any emotion. Hmm? It's a very nice explanation, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. But all the examples are given from the Leela. Hmm? The gopi body, a gopa's body, these things happening. The extraordinary thing is that all these things manifested in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's body. Hmm? He's not giving examples. And Sanatana Goswami passed out and has changed complexions, you know. And all of his hair stood on end. And so, all the examples are in the Siddhadeya. These will show up a little bit in the Sadhakadeya, in the perfected Sadhakadeya. And those people who are in the Sadhakadeya and passing out and drooling and so forth, we, we, have, <laughs> we, we question that. That, that's, that can be imitated. Hmm? So, but but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed all these things in his in his you know Acharya Lila form, kind of a practitioner's example. It's very extraordinary, and and he showed things that weren't. And Rupa Goswami said, "I don't even write about these things here because they're so rare, like this perspiring of blood and so forth." What happened to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in? Um, and see the Goswamis, they were witnesses to this. They were either eyewitnesses or in touch with eyewitnesses, and they had to find, locate the ecstasy that was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the scriptural map. Hmm? What is that? It's obviously desirable, you know. Now we have to go through the academic exercise of showing what it is from the Shastra, but I mean, regardless, this kind of ecstasy. Is is, is 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 desirable to see Jagannath and pass out hmm? and swoon, hmm? the faint. And, I mean, if the idea is to love God, I mean, that's pretty pretty deep there. Hmm? So uh, he, you know, uh, by his person and example tells us he's divine, and now, you know, we have to go kind of backwards and say, and, and the scripture says this, and the scripture says it here, and so on and so forth. It's it's unnecessary in one from one point of view, but, but I mean, you do want to distance what he did from some just uh, um, imitation or something like that. And of course, they, 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 they acknowledge this is the Mahalav. Hmm? This is what Radha was experiencing, and, he, and this is what he's trying to trying to do, and so forth and so on. So, and his method, anyway, is Namsan Kirtan. And so he says, my guru said I was a fool, hmm? and I couldn't study Vedanta. He gave me this mantra and told me to chant it. I had this magical effect. And when I reported back to him, he said, that's the effect that you're supposed to get. It's working. Keep going like that. And it's the two sides, of course. Like I say, Kali Yuga is not meant for studying the Vedanta. Hmm? And um, and even in a time when people were more qualified to study the Vedanta as a method, still you couldn't arrive at where you could arrive at through Harikata. Hmm? You can't get the same thing from saying Hambarmasmi, Hambarmasmi as you can from talking about Radha and Krishna Lila. Hmm? No. Dure Harikata is very far away from there. That world of ecstasy 
where all these transformations of the body, involuntary, manifest, and hearts melt, and so on and so forth, and the external movements of Anubhavs are there, and so, you know, every, everything, a world of ecstasy. You can't enter that world. Hmm? That mythic, hmm, magical land, where, again, where, where the real hearts are, and the real smiles are. Hmm? And they have nothing to do with muscles. There's no, there's no, Krishna has no veins, but he has a body, as it's described in the Shruti. Hmm? And then, what is it, Isopanishad? He has no veins. Hmm? But he has a heart. Now, can you have a heart and no veins? Hmm? Hmm? But hearts that melt don't have veins, right? <laughs> so he's got a real heart. So, so yeah, he's... Uh, and, and, and the people of Vrindavan, they look like fools. Hmm? Country bumpkins, people, you know, village people, jungle people, they don't know the Vedanta, the Upanishads. It appears externally. Village girls carrying the cow dung on their head. Just, they just know about cows. That's all. Hmm? And you are, you know, you become like what you, what, whom you associate with. So if you associate with cows, you become a little, a little dull. Hmm? Means you become in, uninterested. So this is so satisfying to stay care of the cows and swimming in the affection of their milk and so forth. And we've got a calf too. Hopefully, she'll come tomorrow, hmm? tonight or tomorrow. It's possible. You could try to sneak up there in the rain and get a chance if you get a ride. See our beautiful um, Goshala. But yes, Mahaprabhu said that my guru told me I was a fool. Hmm. But he's basically saying, you are a fool to think in Kali Yuga that simply studying, taking sannyas, you become Narayan, and just studying the Vedanta is the way. Shastra itself says, he's showing, I know Vedanta, because I can tell you, Vedanta, the Shastra says, only in Kali Yuga, only by Harinam. Hmm? And here you're studying Vedanta all the time, and you didn't know that. <laughs> you missed that. Hmm? And you're I exhibited, and you think it's uh, something weird. Hmm? But what does it say? And he gives a very emphatic verse, right, from the overall Shastra. I'm not forget where it comes from. Harinam, 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 Eva, Kevalam, Koloa, Nasteva, 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 no other way, no other way, no other way. Something like that. Brihad Naradiya Purana. So he wasn't a fool. Once I heard Govinda Maharaj Bhakti. Sundar Govindamarsh, successor of Sridharmarsh, give a talk on this point. And he was saying that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was said he, he, was a, he could not study Vedanta and so forth. So he was saying, our way is just to, you know, for chanting. And, he was, and, and in the context of explaining that, he was quoting so many verses, so many verses. And I, my perception was everybody was, most of the devotees were thinking, yeah, we don't need to know all that stuff, you know, we just chant. And I'm thinking, he's saying that, but he knows all these verses, <laughs> you know. So Mahaprabhu was saying, I'm a fool, my guru told me a I, I'm, I'm a fool, and so far I just chant, and by the way, it's Kali Yuga, and, this is what the, and you're studying all day, and you didn't know that? All day you're studying, you couldn't figure that out? And you couldn't recognize it when it was right before you? Hmm? In my person? And they were all converted there. So that's the story. Does that answer the question? Yeah.
I was kind of, I know he says that there, but I'm wondering if his guru really did tell him you're a fool. Oh, well. Or if he's just, uh-huh. if he's just saying that. I see. Point. I see. I see. Well, we don't know. Um, um, exactly what Ishvarapuri told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. There are some descriptions of their exchange, and it would seem unlikely from what we've heard there that that uh, that Ishvarapuri, knowing that his disciple is God, <laughs> would make a, a point like that. And so I, I think it's more the latter that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is. It's uh, using a, a kind of rhetorical advice or a device to, to make a, make a point hmm, to them. Hmm. He's basically saying you're all fools. Hmm. You said to tell you when it was seven fifteen. Seven fifteen now. But you, okay. Well, we, so we and it's time for our tea. It's seven fifteen. Seven thirty. Okay, so, well, nice group, and um, let's, uh, let's appreciate your questions, and we'll meet tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about Radha Tattva in the morning, and we have initiation, is it, in the morning also, so that would be nice, and followed by Kirtan Mahaprasad, and, and um, you're welcome to stay on <laughs> after that. So, Sisi Gornitananda Kijai, Sisi Rajagopal Kijai, Sisi Goradamadava Kijai, Giraj Govardhan Kijai, Bhavad Premanandi.